Real Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, is your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today, pro bu- pro bicyclist, my mom. Hey. Um, although the bike's in the shop right now, I guess. By it through it through it through a spoke. Taking a quick uphill, just didn't gear down quick enough. No zombies behind you, though. No, no, no zombies. Nobody chasing me. So last week we talked about zombies, and I think we got a little too close to home with zombies last week. Oh, and to top it off, we watched Game of Thrones in that lovely scene in season five, in which the zombies are coming after the wildings. Oh, season five, episode eight. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, that was not the kind of zombies that you want. Those were runners. Yep. Yeah. Not swimmers though, but at least runners. Yeah. No, I want I want Walking Dead zombies. Um. So today I want to talk about something a little bit different. Today I want to talk about Mario. <laughs> okay. Specifically, I want to talk about Nintendo's Mario, not just the character, but the franchise that he's pretty much kind of spawned at this point. And it's, he's been in over 200 games, if you can imagine. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it seems seems fitting that you should do this because I did play, I did dress as uh, Princess Peach. I have the Princess Peach cosplay. Yes. A very nice 3D crown and mm-hmm. earrings and the whole works. Yes, it was a very, it was an excellent costume. You should wear it again the next time we have a fan convention. Yep. Whenever one of those will be allowed to happen. Again. <laughs> yeah, because we are during, we are uh, recording this during the pandemic. Yes, yeah. we're still doing the during the pandemic. Uh, we hope all of our everyone listening to us is uh, at home, staying safe. I've been practicing social distance for a number of years now, not by choice necessarily, <laughs> but. Uh, I like to consider myself a bit of a pro at this point. Yeah. Uh, but again, I shouldn't have had that training to begin with. But nerds are... Nerds, I've seen a lot of memes going around. as like social dis- social distancing since whatever year they got into nerd- nerdiness. Yep. So, so um, I can't really talk about Mario without talking about Nintendo. And Nintendo is probably the biggest video game... Public video game console kind of generator here, as much as Sega was a big video game company and Atari, Atari, that you also have like Microsoft and Sony at this point. Sony is also a diversified company that does movies, music, and a number of other products beyond just uh, PlayStation. PlayStation, yeah, yeah. And then you have obviously Microsoft has. Their multiple collection of Windows, Windows-based properties, Office, computers, and they have a much wider library than just video games. Nintendo is really just about video games, and that's all they do. But did you know that they've that they've been around a lot longer than you think they've been around for? Am I gonna guess? You can guess what what year do you think they got started in? Nineteen eighty-five. No. Really? 1985 would have been the first time the Nintendo Entertainment System got released in America. Two years earlier, it got released as the Famicom, or Family Computer, in Japan. No, um, Nintendo dates back to ni- to 1889. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so they weren't doing video games in 1889. They weren't, but they what they were doing is they were a card, they were a playing card company. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, so they made playing cards. So they developed video games as a way of expanding their entertainment? So, again, they started in 1889 making making playing cards initially. So, like, your standard kind of games for, like, poker and blackjack yeah. and things yeah. like that. 
um, in the mid 1960s, they started to try to diversify. So they tried to open restaurants and they tried to open a taxi service and a hotel series chains, and those didn't work at all. But what they were able to do by 1975 is they started getting into the electronics market and they were able to actually do game cabinets and cabinets. So like you would find in arcades typically. Okay. Um, and they had a number of different games that came out in between that time. The one that we most know them for at this point here is going to be Donkey Kong in 1981. So, so Donkey Kong was, was sort of, sort of just post like Pac-Man. Yes. I remember the first time I played actually Pong in a in a bar. Yes, which would have been a popular place for them, which is why they sold them there. Okay, so so I can remember playing Pong in a in a bar late seventies, seventy seven, seventy eight, right in there. So so this this was born out of that whole generation. Yes, uh-huh. or at least their at least their initial foray into gaming at the, or electronics and gaming at that point. Um, 1981 is when we first have the original Donkey Kong. In the lead character, in the lead character, we know as Donkey Kong, but the hero was known as a man named Jumpman. Yeah, we know him today as Mario. Yeah. So he was uh, again one of the very first original heroes here. He's been around for. He was adopted in 1981 actually as the mascot for Nintendo by that point, which is why he's been in so many games for the company here. Um, but at the same time. Donkey Kong was also developed by a, game na- by a guy named Shigeru Miyamoto. Now, you may have heard of that name because it's kind of like the Walt Disney of Nintendo video games, at least at this point. You know, he's this magical man that's got all this experience underneath him. He's got all this fountain of wisdom and has developed a lot of really cool and great games over the years. Um, so he plays a pretty integral part. He's never, uh, rather again, he's played a lot of integral part within Nintendo throughout many and many decades at this point. Still around? Oh, yeah. He was okay. actually an interim president for a period of time as well. Okay. Um, so in 19, um, what ends up initially happening here is that in 1983, again, they released the Famicom, which is in Japan known as the Family Computer. We know it here in the States as the Nintendo Entertainment System or lovingly abbreviated the NES. I remember NES. Yes. Okay. I, I remember going down to a neighbor's house all the time just to go play the NES. Because I wouldn't let you have one because I thought it would distract from homework. Yes, you were completely right on that notion. <laughs> you guys didn't get one probably till mid-90s. We didn't get something until mid-90s. So. Yeah, we had Game Boys. We, we had Game Boys, yeah. We had Game Boys and we didn't have like a console until very late in... You would have been late in high school. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, no. Again, it's a very, very good distraction, distraction element. Mean, mean you, mom. Yeah, good, good. No, not not good mom. As, in hind, in, you know, in hindsight, yes, yeah, a very good idea. So I, even when you got it, I would only let you guys take it out on the weekends. I locked it up during the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so nineteen eighty five is also the first time in which Mario gets his own flagship game in Super Mario Brothers. Now we had another. Another game called Super or called just Mario Brothers, which is where we get the first chance of seeing Match with Luigi. And it's also where they kind of uh, point out that he's a plumber and that he's Italian. Okay. Um, oddly enough, Mario, named after um, Mario Segal, which was the landlord for the Nintendos of America office. In in Japan? No, no. So oh, Nintendo, uh, of, Nintendo America. of America okay. had, offices in, had offices here in 
Mario Zagal was the landlord of that, so they named their lead character Mario when they rebranded it. That's cute. So, um, by 1988, Nintendo's publishing their own gaming magazine, Nintendo Power, which was very, very influential for a lot of kids. Um, I believe you guys had a subscription at one point. We, I had one to another one called Electronic Gaming Monthly. Oh, okay. Uh, which I just did, remember some magazine. Yeah, came. so I was Electronic Gaming Monthly, so I had a subscription for that. Um, 1989 is when we see the Game Boy, which would for Nintendo becomes their best-selling con- console ever, because throughout its various iterations up until the early 2000s, 2004 or five, there's a their Game Boy Color, which has a color screen on it, and then there's the Game Boy Pocket, which is a smaller variation of it, and then we get the Game Boy Advance. So by Nintendo standards. It's their most it's their most sold console. It's their most successful one because if you count the various iterations of it, um, by the time we get to 1981, we've um, got a little bit of a kerfuffle that happens in Nintendo, which would end up being kind of their downside in here. Okay. Um, so in 1991, CDs as a storage media were becoming very popular, and in 1981, actually going actually dating back to 19. Uh, 88 or 89, 89, 90 or so before that, the original Super Nintendo, when it came out, had a Sony processor chip in it for its sound. And that only happened because the guy that was doing the chips met a guy who was working for Nintendo and was like, hey, I work for Sony, you work for Nintendo, you guys are coming out with a new console soon, right? It's like, we should, we should make the sound chip for you. And they eventually got that whole deal in there. Well, they went back to the same guy when they were like looking at adding a CD function to their Super Nintendo. And I thought, we can have it as an add-on because there's an add-on slot on the bottom of the Super Nintendo. You could just plug it onto there. Now the Super Nintendo could play CD-based games and have an add-on so you could extend the life of their original console. Well, so they, in March of 1991, they kind of went into this agreement Sony and Nintendo did. And then when we got to the CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show that happens in Las Vegas... Basically, any sort of very like a, familiar with it, yeah. Any sort of electronic sort of stuff that comes out usually comes out there, including video games, computers, cars, anything that's got some level of electronics now, software as well. Clearly, um, Nintendo went to their press conference and announced that they had made a deal with Philips instead to help build their CD-based add-on for their Super Nintendo. So they pissed them off. Well, again, keep in mind that. Sony is a Japanese company, much in the same way Nintendo is a Japanese company, and Sony was very, very pissed off about this because they didn't get any heads up about it at all. And they've been helping Nintendo with a lot of their time and money to develop this as well because yeah. they thought they were going to be in the for they're going to be there hand in hand with Nintendo, as, you know, not even necessarily as a video game company, but as a partner. Well, this rightfully pissed off the CEO of Sony and basically went to the guy who. Again, who was who sold the Nintendo on the original sound chip, but is actually leading up the Nintendo project, which they were originally going to call Place the Nintendo PlayStation. Oh, cute. Okay. And I see where this is going. And basically, yeah. So basically, the CEO of, the, uh, of Sony basically went to the guy and said, "Well, you put in all that hard work. It'd be a shame if you didn't actually put it to any good use." And they ended up making the PlayStation, which ends up being. 
the biggest rival for Nintendo for a number of years, and probably a little to this date even, that they're the biggest rival. Um, because the PlayStation, what it did was unique was that it used the CD-based format. Yeah. As where Nintendo used, continued when they had the when the 1996 came out with the Nintendo 64, they continued with the cartridge format. Yeah. And part of the, and part of the the beauty of the cartridge was that the load times were very very minimal. Yeah. Because they were basically ROM, basically just full on ROM discs. At, ROMs at the end of the day, like your USB drive. Yeah. You plug it in, you can gain the access to the information almost instantaneously. So there's no load times. Yeah. But at the same time, one of the draw, drawbacks was that you couldn't have as much data on a cartridge yeah. at all, versus CDs. You could have more graphics. More well, not even necessarily more graphics, but you could have more code on there, and you could have yeah. a lot more stuff on there. So yes, you had to access the code through loading times, but you could buffer that in some ways depending on how you coded it. And clearly, CDs got better over time, anyways. Yeah. But one of the problems that this created for Nintendo was. When we get to the sixty, when we get to uh, what's considered, I believe, the fifth generation of of gaming consoles, which would have included again the Nintendo sixty four um, and the PlayStation one at that point, Sony was able to actually buy out a lot of competitive, a lot of third party support that had been with Nintendo for a long time. So a lot of the big RPG companies and a lot of the big uh, sport companies that were making games went over to Sony's PlayStation because you had the CD add-on. It was much easier to program for. Um, it was much easier to buy the discs because, again... I was going to say, not as proprietary. Not as proprietary, no. But um, you could also have a lot more stuff on the games as well. So you could have these huge, sprawling 80-, 90-hour games that you couldn't do with Nintendo because they were all cartridge-based. And the other problem here as well is the cartridges were also about... were pretty expensive as well by the yeah. time. I mean, for the yeah. time, they were about... Seven to eight dollars a cartridge, yeah. and when you look and when you look at CDs, which were basically like a buck or two for each CD, you know, there's a big cost saving measure in there as well. Yeah. Um, so Nintendo sixty four, while a big highlight for Nintendo, um, wasn't actually its saving wasn't a lot of its saving grace. Unfortunately, um, was a big problem for uh, Nintendo. Unfortunately, in that particular part, not that they didn't come out with a lot of great games in the interim there. Uh, we get to um, 2001, 2002, we released the GameCube, which is the next iteration of that. Clearly, Nintendo learned, okay, let's do a CD add-on, and they were going to do a DVD a CD-based, but they used micro-CD DVDs. You couldn't actually put a regular CD into the, into the Nintendo at all. They used these micro-proprietary CDs instead. Which is would is that done to try to control piracy? Partly, partly yes. Um, not that it didn't stop people. Yeah. Um, but I think the other reason was just because you could have smaller discs, you could help like take up less space, especially with this new DVD format. You could put a lot more data on there, so you could put up to a couple gigs worth of data on there, and it wouldn't be as much of a problem. Versus these larger discs, you'd still have the same amount of space, but you'd have to have this giant disc. But I think Nintendo has always just been a company that was like, we're going to do it the way we want to do it, and you'll just have to adapt to the way we do it. And for a lot of their stuff, that's not been a problem. Yeah. Um, 2002 is when they actually also see, get a gentleman by the name of Satoru Iwata, who becomes the president of Nintendo, who was not a... Uh, so the Nintendo company is owned by a family known as the Yamaguchi family. 
Uh-huh. And uh, Satoru Iwata was the first time a president of the company of Nintendo had not been a part of the family at all. Um, and Satoru Iwata, who had been a video game creator prior to becoming a the president here, he had worked on Pokemon and a number of other games as well. Um, worked for Hudson Soft and was basically the guy that you called in to look at something, work with it for about a week, and then fix it. Wow. So this okay. Was, yeah. So this was a really, and then this was also a guy that was that when he became um, president, basically went to I think the E uh, three at the time when they were still doing um, trade show sort of things. Okay. He went to the gamers and basically said, "I am a gamer first. I am a gamer. I am a president of a company. I am a father. I am a, I am a husband, but I am first and foremost a gamer." And he really did speak to a lot of gamers. He's the guy who brought us the Wii. Oh. Also brought us the, the Nintendo DS as well, which was now, another... what, what was the thing that you won in college? You won a gaming system in college, because I remember there was a banner on the, on the wall for your dorm. And it was the first time we'd ever seen anything like it. And it was interactive. We could play on, on it. Oh, I don't remember. You won a gaming system... You thought about selling it on eBay, and your roommate said, "No, if you do that, we'll we'll shoot you." Oh no, that was the Wii. That was the Wii when it came out. Okay. So I want I want to I want a pre-order for the Wii. Okay. I had to pay for half of it on my own, but they paid for the other half. Oh, okay. So what you won was the pre-order. Okay. Yeah. So I want a pre-order for it, um, and people would have been very upset because we played that for quite a bit. But again, the Wii comes from. Um, Satoru Iwata's idea that he wanted to make games, especially in, he wanted to make games multi generational. He wanted to be able to have a five year old, five year old and ten year olds be able to play games, but have those same games be able to be played by forty and fifty year olds, and then sixty and seventy year olds, and eighty and ninety year old people. He wanted to have game. He wanted to have his console, the console, especially the Wii here, which I think really was multi generational. So you could have many people playing it, you could have a larger audience base versus where at the time the PlayStation 3 and the Nintendo, or excuse me, the Microsoft 360 at the time were very much consoles aimed at hardcore gamers, people who were, you know, in the age brackets of, let's say, um, 15 to 35, 40-year-old, and mostly male adults. Okay, so... so I remember just being wild by it because we, I think uh, we, at Christmas time, we're bowling on it. Mm-hmm. And it was when it was brand new and you'd just gotten it. And, yes. And um, I remember thinking, this is so cool because it's interactive. I'm up and I'm active. I'm not just sitting. Mm-hmm. I'm up and I'm active and I'm, I'm, you know, bowling with this wand in my hand. But it's, You're doing it's, all the motions yeah. and the translating online. Yeah. Yeah, no. Again, I thought that, I thought that was brilliant. Yes, and again, that was part of Satoru Iwata's idea was to have something that was cross generational, and a lot of that is just what's easier to do than the motion of a bowling, or in a lot of cases when yeah. they came out with they other had games, tennis. They had they had yeah, and they had other games with Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah, and all these games were basically games that were the same motions you already knew how to do, but now you can play it in a video, and now you can play it in a video game. It was brilliant. Um, 2012 is when we see the uh, Wii U come out. It's the successor to the Wii, but they don't do a good job of marketing it as a actual successor. And a lot of people are very confused by because it had this big tablet controller screen that a lot, a lot of people knew what to do with that. 
it's, it wasn't marketed very well, and it was actually probably one of their least successful gaming hardwares that they've ever released. Um, and unfortunately, in 2015, Satoru Wada dies of complications of um, something to do with his bowels, unfortunately. He dies okay. actually pretty young at 55. Wow. Um, this is the point in which um, Shigeru Miyamoto actually, um, in the interim, becomes the president of, uh, with another an individual, um, something Takeda, I want to say, um, become the interim presidents of Nintendo until they get a new guy to okay. become that. Um, 2016 is when we start seeing a, a more of a revival. Now, Nintendo has been, by, I think, 2012, 2013, was trying to do a bit of more of the revival of older properties. Um, when the Wii came out, what they did was they had a channel, they had an element on there where you could go back and buy older games. So if you wanted to play um, the original Super Mario Brothers, you could play it on the Wii. You, you would buy it, it was maybe like four or five bucks, but you could play it on the Wii. Oh, that's kind of And nice. you could rebuy older games. And so yeah. if you, and as an example, you could buy a lot of games up until the Nintendo 64 era. Because oh, they were 64 yeah. bits and they weren't a huge uh, cost on hard drive in the yeah. system at all. Um, and so a lot of people, what they found from that is a lot of people were really interested in these very old games. So they started remaking a lot more 2D side scrolls instead of 3D games that required the full 3D panoramic sort of element. And in 2016, they released the, the Nintendo Entertainment System Classic Edition, or the NES Classic. That sold like hotcakes. It was the hottest thing on the market if you could get one. Um, and in 2017, they did the same. They did it with the Super Nintendo. But for whatever reason, I don't understand it. Nintendo purposely had very high demand, but offered very little product. So while the Nintendo Entertain the Nintendo Classic sold retailed for like sixty bucks, yeah, which is a great deal when you think about it for what it is. It's a controller with the original game set, and it comes with like thirty some odd games in there. All these old classic Nintendo games. And the same thing with the Super Nintendo Classic. That was also like seventy bucks and it came with all with another like thirty five some odd really great classic games. Um. If you were to go online right now to eBay, you won't find one that's not at least two to three times as expensive as its original markup. Really? Yeah. Oh, because there's so few released? They, they only ever released like a couple million. Wow. And I don't know why, because again, there clearly there was a demand for it. Well, okay, so, so we're coming up on, on my biggest question, which is Switch. So Switch came out in 2017. What's interesting here is that when you look at the Wii U, which was the eighth generation console, it would have yeah. come out right around the same time as um, it came out about a couple of years just before the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One, which are these huge, massive gaming platforms. Um, it didn't do all that well, and again, the Switch itself didn't come out till two thousand seventeen. So there's a very large gap in years in which they're not selling a huge amount of stuff. They actually discontinued the Wii U, and I'm thinking like. 2015 actually even okay. before the switch came out what they had was they had the nintendo ds and the game boy they nintendo basically held the market in the handheld market for a number of years all the way up and through until the switch in which they're kind of merging both the handheld market and their game and their console market kind of at the same time because switch is not only just a portable device you can its docking station allows you to translate it to the um, to a TV as well. So it's basically this home console in a very small package. Um, 
and I love it. And even now, I mean, the mainline Pokemon games, which have been always on the individual handheld consoles, finally came to the main console here, which was the first time that's ever happened as well. Um, as of right now, from what I've been able to find out, they've sold, I think, around 44 to 45 million Switch units, which is a great number to sell. We saw them all over Akihabara. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and in all sorts of colors, and they're very... Um, Expressive. There's a, yeah. there's a lot of variations on it, too, where a lot of... Where, they have all sorts of different editions. Like they've recently had like Animal Crossing, which is a new game that just came out. They have Animal Crossing Switch itself, so you could buy a new Switch that just has the Animal Crossing stuff on it. Well, now how much is the Switch? We saw them, and and I I thought well I buy buy some because they would be unique to Japan, and you said no. Well, not so much that is um, you could buy a Japanese version, but especially with more with more recent stuff. You wouldn't have any sort of special to, specialtyness to it, okay? Because basically, it's all the same hardware that you find here in America. The only difference being is a region locking element, and even then, that's not a huge deal because that's a very easy bypassable sort of element. Okay. So basically, you'd get a you'd have a Japanese switch for the sake of having a Japanese switch with yeah. Which, if you had it, you'd have to have only Japanese switch games, okay. which of which there is not with which. If you're really invested and wanted to play it, you could buy it, ship it here to America. If it doesn't play on it naturally, you could put you can download something to be able to play it. And a lot of the stuff now they're not region locking as much anymore, and so that's not as much of an issue. Okay. Um, especially Nintendo, where I think they've realized that region locking doesn't help them on any particular level; it just hinders them. Well, it was just interesting because we weren't when we were in in Japan and specific specifically in in Akihabara in, in Tokyo. We saw them in other places. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I remember. There was, I remember there was a special Pokemon switch, and I think the first time we saw that was in Osaka. Mm-hmm. Um, in Osaka, if you remember when we were doing the uh, the carts, yeah, you had stalls that were selling whole consoles and yeah. games there, just oh, yeah. right on the street, just like. As if you'd be like, get your melons, get your melons right yeah, here. Yeah, right? like a like a like a, a fair a fair market. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and again, like Nintendo again has they a, were they were everywhere. Uh, very much yes, um, just absolutely everywhere. Yeah. So that brings us to Mario. Now again, Mario is the landlord. Is, well, named after <laughs> named after the landlord. Yeah. Um, He's got a singular brother named Luigi. Um, uh, let's see here. Again, in 1982, when they came out with Mario Brothers, which was a arcade game, mm-hmm. so first time they actually had entitled Brothers. They gave Mario the name Mario. They gave Luigi Luigi. It's also the first time in which they pointed out that they were Italian and plumbers because they were working in a pipe. Yeah. In that particular game, um, Mario. There's a there's a kind of a joke running around amongst Mario fans and even the Mario higher ups, as far as what Mario's last name is. Oh, he has a last name. Well, again, if you think about it, it's the Mario Brothers. Yeah. You don't usually use the first name of the older brother to denote the brothers of uh, a family of yeah. something. So a lot of people have thought that his name is Mario Mario, and then it's Luigi Mario. Oh, that's that's cute. Okay. There, there was a joke on this. Based uh, part of this is also based off of the 
Um, there was a movie about Mario. There's Super Mario Brothers movie in the mid '90s. I do remember that. Um, in which um, there was just a Sonic movie movie, so it's not like you can diss that. But the Sonic movie actually wasn't that bad, from what I hear. I haven't watched it because I don't have that kind of ability to get over my embarrassment of watching the movie. But here it was not horrible. Okay. It's pretty bad, but it's not horrendously horrible. bad. Okay. All right. Um, I saw the I saw the Pikachu movie. I saw the Pikachu movie as well. The Pikachu movie is good. The Sonic movie actually did apparently better than the Pikachu movie as far as box office goes. Really? Yes. Surprising. Okay. Again, I was very surprised by that as well. Get my nieces are into Pokemon. Oh, okay. I, I Or love. not my nieces, my granddaughters. Yeah. Yes. It's a big thing. Um, so, you know some of the characters of Mario, I presume. We know yeah. Princess Peach. She's the Toad. ruler of the Mushroom Kingdom. She's the main interest of Mario. She's also the one that gets kidnapped the most. Yep. Uh, you have Luigi, who's the younger brother of Mario. He's a little bit taller, uh, a little bit lankier than him, but he's also often portrayed as a coward and uh, being scared of everything. Okay. Uh, what's interesting in video games is that uh, Luigi, if he's if he's a playable character, um, is apparently a more lighter character, so he jumps higher, but he also floats he floats a little bit more when he drops. Um, as where Mario has a very natural jump, and when he lands, he just lands, doesn't have as much as a, has a lot more gravity to him versus Luigi. So, so he can get get going quicker. He can get going quicker, absolutely. Yeah. And while he doesn't jump as high, he also has a little bit more control when he lands. Um, Princess Peach is often actually described as being able to kind of float in the air. It's the dress. Yeah, pretty much. It's just kind of like a big um, a parachute at that yeah. point. Um, you have uh, Bowser, who's also known as King Koopa, depending on what variation you do it. Who no, also becomes Bowsette. Yes, but that's not canon. That's okay. that's a that's a fan thing. That's a fan thing. Okay. And we fans have a problem with that. We th- we get something in our hands and we think it's canon, and there's problems with that. There's another character that's like that on this list too. Um, Bowser was originally supposed to be the Demon King. He was supposed to be a, an evil bull based off of the. He always reminds me of a bouncer. Yes. Um, he's supposed to be an evil bull from. In Japan, they were doing a movie that was based off Journey to the West. Uh-huh. Which is a very popular story yeah. in in the East, um, China and Japan, as well as uh, Korea and a couple other places as well have loved Journey to the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they were initially, when the artist was trying to figure out what Shigeru Miyamoto had drawn, he drew drew it as a turtle with horns instead. So that's how we get Bowser. It was actually by mistake. That's cute. Bowser's got a canonical son in Bowser Junior, but then also has. The Koopalings, which are like seven other Bowser Juniors almost. Originally, they were thought to be his kids, but they're not apparently. They're just minions. Um, We have Toad. Now, Toad has been portrayed in the games. He's a much uh, sturdier version of Mario. He doesn't have nearly as high a jump as Mario or Luigi does, but he has... um, But if if you have to pick something up, he's a much better person to pick stuff up with. Toadette is actually where we get Bowsette from, because Toadette is the female version of Toad. Uh-huh. It's just another character that's in there. So, like, there's a male toad and a female toad. In a newer iteration of the games, Toadette's a playable character. She gets a power-up that lets her become Peachette, which is basically just a crown. And so it's like the mushroom for the other characters that make them taller that makes her from a toad person into a human person, I guess. And the crown is what does that. Okay. And so that's where the notion of Bowser came from because what happened if you put a crown on Bowser? Yeah. Okay. So, got it. Okay. So, um, Donkey Kong is a part of the um, 
family of Nintendo characters. Yeah. Did you know Donkey Kong was actually supposed to be King Kong, and the other reason they call him King Kong was over naming rights? I always assumed that, actually, because King Kong was a hot movie with uh, Jessica Lange mm-hmm. um, back in the early 70s. Yeah, but that's the reason why he's called yeah. Donkey Kong instead of King yeah. Kong. Yeah. Um, we got our first set of princesses and Princess Daisy. Now, Princess Daisy was in the first Mario Brothers on the on the Game Boy. And so, what is the difference between Princess Daisy and Princess Peach? I'm glad you asked. So, Princess Peach is blonde hair, blue eyes, with a very pink dress. Um, Princess Peach, if in canonically is, or at least has been often portrayed as your more girly girl sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Daisy is a red hair, bright yellow dress. She's often considered more of a tomboy in a lot of ways. The dresses are identical. Not exactly. Uh, oh. One of them has shorter gloves versus the other. Um, they're different little like elements on the. Uh, one of them has a flower on the chest, but the other one's just a big giant blue opal. Yeah, there's subtle di- there's okay. subtle differences between them. Um, it's pretty close. Though. I like Daisy because she's one of the more annoying characters. Well, you, I kind of like Tom girls. Yeah, but she's yeah. again very much a Tom girl, very much a uh, got a little bit of an added, a little bit of a fun little playful attitude to, toward her. Uh, we have Rosalina, who is not in it officially a princess but she's often considered a princess with the crown and the way yeah. she's portrayed um she comes from space she was the mother of these little space creatures that are a big thing in um super mario galaxy um and she's often portrayed as being kind of a little bit mysterious worldly sort of wise sort of character um, as if she's been around for a very long period of time um, but then you also have Pauline. Now, Pauline was the original heroine in the original Donkey Kong game. Okay, so I'm going I'm to I'm ask you a question here. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, I, I shouldn't say always, I, I primarily think of these types of games as being male-driven, but we've got a lot of female characters here. We've, had a, we've seen a lot of female characters, but part... There will be a bit of a, a bit of a little side element to some of this here is that while we have a lot of female characters that do get kind of popped up in here, a lot of the female characters don't appear in the main Mario games outside of Princess Peach. Okay. Rosalina is a kind of a semi rare example where she does actually show up in another series of Mario games. Um, in three D world in Super Mario Brothers three D land and world, she does appear in that as a playable character. Um, but Daisy really doesn't show up a whole lot outside of the other spinoff games. Okay. She doesn't really appear in the mainstay Mario game at all, which is kind of also with another character here as well. Um, Yoshi is a very popular character as well. He's a dinosaur that you ride on with a very long tongue that, um, when he eats stuff, he, uh, turns them into eggs. Yep. Um, we have, uh, Wario. Now, Wario is the rival to Mario. He is a lot more portlier, or fatter, I guess is a better way to describe him. Um, He looks almost exactly like Mario, except again, he's much bigger, a little more slothenly looking. Um, He's often portrayed as being very money-hungry, gluttonous almost in a way. The way they came up with his name is that um, there's a word in Japanese for bad to know as Wario. Yeah. And they pantomime that with Mario, so basically Wario means like bad Mario. Yeah. That makes sense. And so, um, so Wario is actually kind of fun because he actually has his own series of games, uh, which are the WarioWare series of games, which are very. Have you ever played Mario Party? No. So Mario Party is just collection. I've only played Mario Kart. 
Okay, that's okay. Um, and we'll talk about Mario Party here a little bit, but uh, Mario Party has a collection of mini games that usually with about about a minute or so worth of, of game time for a lot of that, if that in some cases. WarioWare games last about three to five seconds. Oh, that's kind of fun. And so a lot of it's often like blowing out a candle or pumping up a balloon or stopping a car before it gets to you. The very, very quick little games that require very little sort of time to process it. And you'll go through like dozens of them in a row. So. A little variety there. And then you have um, the last one here, which is Waluigi. So this is also Luigi's uh, mirror. Evil, evil right, self. Okay. Yeah. Um, Waluigi is interesting because outside of the spinoff games, again, he doesn't appear much like Daisy in, in, unless he's in one of the spinoff games. And he's only ever there. And if Wario, he's only ever there if Wario is there as well. The same is not true of Wario. Wario could be there and then Waluigi won't be there. But Waluigi is only there if Wario is there. Okay. What's interesting about Waluigi is that he has a huge cult following online because he... I'm no longer surprised what fandom um, creates. So well, as, I still am, but... So as an example here, there was a there was a, there was was a a joking around online with the new Super Mario Bros. Ultimate because they were basically including every known character out there. And one of the jokes was... They'll have a they'll have one of the piranha plants, which is just one of those generic yeah. sort of bad guy characters, first before they ever get Wario. Wario has been a huge part of Mario for basically since the mid '90s when he was first introduced in Mario Tennis, and they actually came out with the piranha plant before they came out with Wario. Interesting. Yeah, so Wario is a. a People have a lot of fun with Wario. They, they they love him to death, but he never appears in anything outside of the spinoff games for Mario. Do they ever ship Wario and Bowsette? They 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 ship him with just about everybody. A lot of the times, the, the lot of the obviously the most common ships are going to be Mario and, and Princess Peach, Peach and yeah. then Luigi and Daisy. Yeah. Uh, but they often have like Wario and, and Princess Peach or Waluigi and Daisy in a lot of cases. Those are often popular sort of things. Um, Nintendo's done a really great job of avoiding talking about a lot of that because they don't... Um, well, you want to leave it fluid. Well, you want to leave it very fluid, but the, um, they're not as ravenous as Sonic fans are. And we'll do Sonic one of these days because Sonic fans are weird. Okay. I, I, I don't mean... And I unfortunately don't mean that in a good way. I find, oh. I, there's a very... There's, there's a very it's weird, a dark side? There's, there's a, a lot of weirdness in, in Sonic in Sonic fans. Interesting. Um, okay. But there's a logic to that. There's a very okay. much a logic to why they're odd and weird. Okay. Because um, you were a big Sonic fan for I a am long a, time. I am a fan of Sonic, yes, but I never I never got to that degree that they got to. Oh, okay. Um, so we talking about Mario here, but I've also been kind of mentioning spinoff. That's because there's a mainline series of games, about 20 or so mainline Mario games, and then there's a whole gajillion of spin-off games and um, they're all they're all nintendo products they're all nintendo products yes okay. um they're all published exclusively on nintendo um when it comes to the spin-off stuff they're not all made by nintendo but they're all only on nintendo hardware okay um and when i talk about the main line now the other thing i do want to mention is none of these games are um have anything to do with the previous versions so if you play Super Mario Brothers 1 and then you go play like Super Mario World, there's no relationship between the two games outside of all the characters play the same roles the entire time. And they have the same attributes. And they have the exact same attributes. Okay. So um, 
I'm trying to find it's it's a lot like Bugs Bunny and Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. Okay. They're the exact same characters every single time. They're just in different situations. And they're acting the exact same way and doing the exact same stuff they would normally do if they were in those situations. Okay. So they keep their personalities. Uh, they keep their personalities, their locations um, within the Mushroom Kingdom, and what happens around them is always going to be a little bit different. Okay. But they keep the same goals, the same personality elements, and all that stuff. Okay. And there's often not a lot of story being told in the Mario games. The, the story I don't very... think I'd go to a video game for story, okay? Oh, oh. Well, I'll I'm to... so wrong. Well, well, well there, okay. There War, War, Warcraft is... That, is... Kind of a story. You there's, go on there's, there's a lot of stories being told in Warcraft. And yeah, a lot, and a lot of some. Yeah, of them no, here. I get it. I get it. That that was really a misstatement. Now that I rethink it. No, no, you you don't think of a lot. Of, you don't think of Mario games as having an in depth story. There is yeah. a story there, but it's not a, it's not the likes of Harry Potter as a story. Yeah, yeah. Know? But there is a story there at, at bare minimum. Okay. Um. So obviously the main element here is Mario goes and saves the princess from ba- from Bowser. Bowser for whatever reason loves the Mushroom Kingdom. I've never heard of, of a canonical reason why Bowser wants to take over the Mushroom Kingdom, or, or and he, apparently in order to do that, he has to marry Princess Peach. Well, First, yeah, so he can be the consort. Yeah, you're, you're gonna be a monarch, I guess. Yeah. Um, a couple power-ups in um, Mario is a big deal. You Mario initially can in most of the games can only either jump on top of his enemies to kill them, or throw something at them. And so you have a number of power-ups throughout the Mario series that are very common throughout the Mario's games. Uh, the first one is obviously the Super Mushroom. It lets you grow bigger. Mm-hmm. So initially Mario is apparently just like uh, like a four foot five kind of guy, but if he gets the Super Mushroom, he gets to be like six, seven feet tall. Um, it's one of the first initial power-ups you get. Um, after that, you have the Fire Flower. You turn red and white canonically, and you're able to shoot fireballs out of your hand afterwards. Okay. Um, there's very variations on the fire on the fire flower. There's an ice flower as well that lets you shoot out ice and later variations. Um, you have the um, you have a super feather or the tanuki leaf, or sometimes it's known as the super leaf. Um, basically, this gets allows Mario to fly, and the super feather gives you a cape, so you kind of fly like Superman almost. Yeah, no, I've I've, I've seen it. I can envision it. Um, and then the tanuki leaf gives them raccoon ears and, ra- and a raccoon tail. To what purpose? So in Japan, there's a race of there's supposed to be a race of demons known as Tanuki, which are basically raccoon creature, raccoon people. And one of their bits is that they would put a leaf on their head and they would transform into a human, and that's how they got away with being with being tricksters. And they would go in and they would trick people into giving them money and food, and then they'd run off with that at the end of the day. And then the the story was that it was. Oh, you got ripped off. Oh, you got ripped off by a tanuki. Yeah. Uh, You got ripped off by a demon spirit that, you know, that basically looks like a raccoon and stole all your goods because that's what they do. Yeah. Um, Raccoons are nasty. But keep in mind that also that um, where Nintendo is is based in Kyoto, where where a lot of the history of Japan is at. So that's not uncommon. Yeah. Um, They actually, another great game in the Star Fox, which is actually very heavily based off of the Tory gates that we went through, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and and those are gates for foxes. Yes, and so the lead character for Star Fox is a fox. Yeah. That's where they yeah. actually came up with a lot of that gameplay from, actually. That's pretty cool. So, uh, the Fushi, Fushi Inari, Inari Shrine. Yeah. 
Um, another classic power-up is going to be the Superstar. Now, this is basically going to give Mario the ability to be invincible for a period of time. Usually just five, six seconds, but it's enough to get through quite a bit of the game when yeah. you consider it. Um, Yoshi is a power-up if you want to consume, assume he's a power-up, I guess. Um, you can ride on him, and if you get hit, you lose Yoshi, but you don't lose any of the other powers that you have. Um, Yoshi takes the hit for you. Yeah, and basically he goes and runs off. But yeah. you can get you can jump back on him if you're quick enough. Yeah. Um, as where, um, if you normally get hit, you actually go back down to your original default small Mario form. And you, then lose, another, you lose all, all your power-ups. You lose all your power-ups, yeah. And then you have to kind of get them back up. Cool, okay. So None uh, of this applies to Mario Kart. No, not necessarily, but a lot of the abilities in Mario Kart kind of are one-to-one -one translations sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah, I can see that. Um, so again, yeah, there are 21 some odd mainline Mario games. Um, there were three for the Super for the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, technically, there were four. Um, so in Japan, when they came up with Super Mario Brothers 2... They reused all the same assets from Super Mario One, but they made the difficult made the levels a lot more difficult and added some new um, elements onto that. When they went to go try to port it to America, they basically figured out that American gamers would think it was too hard, and so they never released it here in America at all. Oh. What they ended up releasing here in America was a game in Japan known as Doki Doki Panic. Now, Doki Doki Panic was supposed to be based off of a. Um, Japanese Japanese TV channel had a special uh, festival going on for like a year, and they convinced Nintendo to make a video game for them, which was Doki Doki Panic. What's interesting about the game is that if you remember the original Mario games, they're very much about moving in a vertical, in a they're, left to right yeah. fashion. Yeah. Doki Doki Panic was interesting because they mostly went, went about going on an up and down, so a oh. horizontal fashion. So a lot of the levels are about going up something or down somewhere. But also going across in some cases. Uh, now, depending on who you read about this, um, when they got translated over here to America, they replaced a lot of the original characters with the uh, Super Mario Brothers characters. So a lot of the characters that were in the original um, Doki Doki Panic were just re-sprites of the Mario characters that got put in instead. But there are some that will tell you that the original Doki Doki Panic was actually supposed to always be Super Mario Brothers 2. Or supposed to be the canonical follow-up to Super Mario Brothers because they had because of sharing some elements along with it. So, the first version of Super Mario Brothers Two in Japan, which was the we know it here in America as the Lost Levels, it came out on Super Nintendo eventually, um, and a game pack that included Mario Brothers One, Two, and Three, and then also the Lost Levels. Levels, okay. Um, and then in Japan, they also got an All Star version, but the All Star version they got included what they called. Super Mario Bros. 2 American Edition. Oh. Which is what Doki Doki Panic's reskin of <laughs> Super Mario Brothers is. That's cute. Is. That's so. cute. Okay. Super Nintendo also had the Super, Mar uh, Super Mario Brothers World. Um, and they also had Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario World 2, which included Yoshi's, Yoshi's Island, which is actually a story that primarily focuses on Yoshi and Baby Mario. Baby Mario. So apparently like Baby Yoda. Yes, actually. Almost almost exactly like that, where you have to keep keep the baby safe. That's cute. Um, when we get to the Nintendo 64 in 1996, we get Super Mario 64. It got packaged with the original uh, 64 in a lot of cases. 
it's one of the first major 3D games to actually figure out how to do 3D for Mar for any sort of like 3D character. A lot of a lot of growing pains in the fifth generation of consoles with the Nintendo 64 and the PlayStation. How do you translate what are 2D characters into a mostly 3D environment? In Nintendo, everyone kind of agrees got it right. They got it like perfect. I, re I remember seeing it the first time I saw it, seeing it turn around. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, it was, it was kind bizarre. of wild. Yeah, yeah, it was just like, whoa. Yeah. Um, we get to um, Super Mario Sunshine when we get to the GameCube. Uh, it's the, they're now doing mostly just one release of the main Mario title for yeah. every sort of system kind of at this point. Um, Super Mario Sunshine I like because it has a little bit more of a story to it. It's where we first get introduced with uh, Bowser Jr., um, there's a bit more story happening in there. Um, we get to Mar Super Mario Galaxy and for the Wii, which is interesting because it revolves a lot more around um, gravity of these planets and moving around in this very linear 3D space. And a lot of other previous 3D games were moving around a solid plane, okay. kind of up and down. But Galaxy has you kind of always kind of tethered to your galaxy. Your, has some depth. Ha well, it has a lot more gravity than it's in the center of a planet that you're running around. Okay. You jump too high up and you actually might lose gravity and go to another nearby planet that has a stronger uh, gravity to it. Oh, that's kind of cool. And Super Mario Galaxy is where we also meet Rosalina as well. Um, and now, there is a follow-up to Super Mario Galaxy and start with Super Mario Galaxy 2 um, in 2010. But in between that, we got the new Super Mario Brothers for uh, Wii. And this is a part of the revival of what was the 2D side-scrollers for... Um, they were very popular, again, coming out. So, again, when the Wii came out, we had Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3. They were able to be replayed in Super Mario World. I remember getting World for uh, my Wii, so you could play it on there. Mm -hmm. And clearly there was a lot of interest in that because they were one of the best-selling games on the, on, the, on the market. And so they were remaking, they weren't remaking the games, but they were do, doing another 2D side-scroller again, which were very popular, oddly enough. And so we got uh, the new Super Mario Brothers Wii. We also had one for the, uh, the new original new Super Mario Brothers was for the DS as a 2D side-scroller. Um, we also got the, um, before we got a new Mario game for the Wii U, we actually got a new Super Mario Brothers Wii U again. So we got another new game out of that and this one is unique because it also had 2013 was the 30th anniversary of mario because if he came out in 1983 it would have been the 30th yeah. anniversary um so they rebranded the 30th year of of mario as the year of luigi so luigi was the official mascot for nintendo from 2013 until 2014 that's kind of cute um, and they actually came up with a new version of the game called New Super Luigi U, in which Mario wasn't playable initially until you beat the game, and so they had new elements for the game instead. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, Luigi actually takes place in his own sub-game. Um, originally on the GameCube, was actually the first Mario title to come out on the GameCube, was a game called Luigi's Mansion, in which he's a Ghostbuster sucking up ghosts through a vacuum. Oh, that's kind of cool. And it's very cute. Um, you can't play as Mario in it at all, but um, but that came out actually before the mainline Mario Sunshine came. Mario Super Mario Sunshine came out. Um, as I said before, the Wii wasn't a very popular console, unfortunately. So, in a major, while they did come out with the um, 3D Mario game, um, 
that lets you play as Rosalina had to carry very much kind of a isometric sort of thing, and you can play four players at once with it. Uh-huh. They didn't have a major Mario game in the vein of like Sunshine or okay. or um, Galaxy at all. But what they did release for the Wii U was a game called Mar- uh, uh, Super Mario Maker. And what this did was it let you let people for the first time use some of the same tools that the developers had for making Mario Brother levels. Oh, so uh, okay, the girls have something like that. They probably have Super Mario Brothers Maker Two, which is the which is the Switch version of that. Yeah, uh, with some updated elements onto it. What's interesting about the Super Mario Maker is that it lets you do it either in the original Super Mario Brothers One style, the Super Mario Brothers Three style. You can do it as the Super Mario World style. You can do it more in the more modern, new Super Mario Brothers style. And each one of them has slightly different sort of elements on there that you can add in, like different power-ups for different different occasions. Yeah. Um, and people have been making a lot of really cool stuff out of it. Um, people for a very long time were actually making their own Super Mario Brother, uh, what they call ROM hacks. And they were making some of the most difficult stuff that's ever been created stuff that in which like if you didn't know this existed here for this exact pixel you would have never found this at all or when you jumped in this particular way which is the only way you could do it you'd run into this box hit your head and fall into the pit but people have made some amazing stuff out of super mario maker i welcome you to uh, i'll put something online here um that shows one of it here it shows examples of this but this, to see people that make these levels that are near impossible are amazing. There's also a variation on that where your character stands still and the game plays itself almost. Where it'll bump you around and move you around through the, through the level in such a way in which you dodge all these different elements happening all at the same time. And that you survive but you never touch a single button. Oh, that's interesting. And no, it's, it was really cool. I know the girls really enjoy it because for, for, you know, for a, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, they do pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, you can create yeah. some pretty amazing stuff out of it. I mean, again, you could recreate any one of the original Nintendo games almost out of the entire element out there. It gives you a lot of powerful tools in a very simplistic way almost. Yeah. Um, so Nintendo, while it hasn't had a huge presence in the mobile market, now mobile I mean like our phones, our mobile yeah. phones. Yeah. Not necessarily a handheld, but in the mobile market. Um, they came out with Super Mario Run, which is a version you can get, kind of a runner game you can get on your phone. Uh-huh. It's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of play, pay to play sort of as well. So you have to kind of buy the levels to be able to play it. Yeah. Um, I wish there was a way you could just repeat levels to buy current, to get the currency to buy later levels. Uh, but, but that's and that's how Facebook makes their money too. Yeah, no. Because if you I, play I, Facebook games, you're you're paying. Yeah, and I I don't, I don't begrudge Nintendo for doing that. Um, it seems again to just to get the later levels is awfully expensive though. Yeah. But yeah. again, if you're Nintendo, you can sometimes ask for that. Yeah. Yeah, because people know you you make quality games. Um, and then we have one of my favorite games that I've still played to this day because there's just too many damn things in it. Um, a Super Mario Odyssey, which is for the Switch. Um, now it's a follow-up to kind of Mario Galaxy at the same time, and it's not. Um, what's interesting about this version of Mario is that um, the locations that you go to are a lot more realistic than have been pre- traditionally in, uh, displayed. Um, the humans look more like normal-looking humans versus where Mario you assumed was human, but maybe he's not. 
Yeah. Um, a lot of the more cartoony aspects are not there. Like, there's a literal T-Rex in the game. That's kind of It funny. looks like an actual T-Rex. Um, but it's really cool because they were able to do quite a bit of stuff in there. And every level's got, like, 50-some-odd stars to find that'll take you forever to get through it. Um, there's over a thousand some odd stars um, spread out between it's about 15 different levels. That's pretty cool. And so and so it's a lot of replay value just to, try, to find all those stars, much less collect them. Yeah. Um, and it's got kind of a cool story as well where Bowser's trying to literally marry Princess Peaches going throughout the world collecting, oh, I got a ring from Princess Peach. Now I got her a dress. Now I got her flowers. Now he's basically building the entire wedding process. She's still going to say no. Absolutely. So... Um, but so those are the mainline Mario games, but there's a lot of non-mainline Mario games. And they range everything from puzzle games and Dr. Mario, which is kind of a bit, a bit like Tetris almost. Okay. We uh, have Mario Kart, which is a very popular kart racing game. Um, it's Wait, a lo- when, you're, when we're at your brother's, we're frequently playing Mario Kart. I love Mario Kart so much. Yeah. I could play that all day long. I, I, I suck at it. It's okay. We're n- it is okay. <laughs> it's absolutely I good. still play. Yeah, so long as you're having fun is the most important yep. part of video games. That's it. Or if you, there's two, Again, video games is kind of a tangent here. There's two ways to enjoy video games. You enjoy the skill and the spectacle of playing it, or you can enjoy it for the narrative that it is in playing yeah. it. And a lot of the times, most people play for the spectacle of it, you know. Especially when you're around oh, other people. Fun. You know, yeah. that's fun. But there's a lot of fun video games in which... Um, you watch the story, you, which it's more interesting to just play the game because it has an interesting story or has interesting commentary. Um, there's a great game which is available on Steam, which doesn't take up a lot of space and it's free. It's called Stanley's Parable. Um, it's never you can almost never play this game the exact same way twice. It's always different. It's so interesting. That's fun. Um, so we did you know that Mario had was is been in a number of RPGs as well? Really. Now, when I say RPGs, there's a lot of turn-based uh, video games in which, oh, I press attack. Now I press. Now I do magic, or now I use an item, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons Thanks. almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had uh, one of the most common ones, which was a company called Square. Uh-huh. They're the ones who made Final Fantasy. They made a Mario game for the Super Nintendo in 1998, I want to say. Um very, very, very popular. It's never been re-released or remade at all. Um, it barely got... Um, it, the only the only way you could actually replay this game if you don't have a Super Nintendo is to play it on the Super Nintendo Classic. Ah. They've never released it on Virtual Console on any of their platforms. Why? Because it's also partly owned by Square, which is now known as Square Shop, Squaresoft, uh-huh. which is, again, still making Final Fantasy games. They made Kingdom Hearts, which is, a, which is if you ever wanted to mix... Disney characters and Square characters together. It's a fantastic series as well. Um, but because Square is the one who developed it, they have certain rights to it. They just will never release it again. Oh. I think they barely released it for the Super Nintendo Classic because it's on the Super Nintendo Classic. Yeah. And not in, so I don't know what the reason why they haven't re-released it at all. But it's a great game that people want to see a lot more characters and more stories to, but just never have gotten, they've never made more. Um there's the Paper Mario series where Mario looks like a cutout of a... It's literally like a puppet show with stick figures. Oh. And so you flip you flip it around and Mario's got a new expression to him and he flips back around and he's got a new expression to him after that. It's very, it's very silly and very cartoony. Uh, 
There's the Mario and Luigi series. This was exclusively on the handhelds for the Nintendo Game Boy Advance and the DS. Mm-hmm. Um, these are fun because they're very lighthearted and they often play a lot of jokes, uh, play with a lot of jokes that are based off of other um, Nintendo franchises like Metroid, Link. Um, they also break the fourth wall quite a bit as well, which is looking at the camera, making jokes of the player of their community. Yeah. yeah. Um, more recently, we have Mario and Rabbit's which is, um, so Ubisoft has a series of games called Rave, Raving Rabbits, which are these crazy white rabbits that scream and do a lot of weird stuff. They're kind of remind me of the Minions. Okay. <coughs> um, and they made a tactical strategy game with them and Mario. It's actually pretty weird and pretty cool all at the same time. Um, a lot of the rabbits actually dress up as Mario characters, so like... You're playing as Mario, but you're also playing with a rabbit version of Luigi and a rabbit version of Princess Peach a lot of the way. Um, technical strategy games have often been the domain of shooters in a lot of cases where like they take, yeah. take a lot yeah. of very sort of very um, serious to- somewhat tone to them. Like, you know, we're in a military advancement sort of press yeah. to point. Press- yeah. in, in this case, it's Mario and they're doing very silly stuff. It's very cute, um, but I think it's a great entry point for people who want to get into that sort of genre of games. Um, another popular game series here is the Mario Party games. Um, basically, you play as a board game where all the Mario where Mario characters, there's always four at a time, are playing as the um, the game pieces, and you each take turns going throughout a board to try to collect coins in order to buy stars. And the person with the most stars at the end of the at the end of the game at the end of the um, of the game wins. Fun. But what's interesting is that you can, after every round, after everyone goes, depending on what tiles you land on, you play a mini game. And so sometimes the mini games are free for all in which everybody has their own thing to do. Uh huh. Um, so it might be who can blow up a balloon the fastest or who can jump all the obstacles um, to get to the very end. And so the better you do with the mini games, the more coins you get, which lets you to buy more, more stuff. stars. Yeah. Um, in some cases, depending on what tiles you land on, there might he be, instead of giving you coins, they might take coins away or might trigger special events. And so some mini games might be four on four, but a lot more of them might be two versus two or three versus one. So then you're working with three of your, of your fellow game, uh, fellow players to, to beat one person in some cases, or you're um, having to play on teams where like, you row in a boat in some cases. So it's a lot. Of, Mario Party is a lot of fun. Um, that sounds like fun, especially especially if you have four people playing. Now you can play it on your own, and three other people are computer characters. Uh huh. Um, and you can decide how aggressive they can be in some cases, but it's a lot more fun with a party with a group of yeah, people. Yeah, well, it's a party. Absolutely. Um, and then Mario has also been in. A gajillion sports games as well. Um, Mario has been in tennis and golf, in which they play both tennis and golf in a very serious, traditional fashion. Yeah. Um, you've had them in baseball, soccer, and basketball, where it's a little bit less, uh, more fantastical. Okay. Like with special abilities and stuff. Okay, a little campier. Um, and you've even more recently had, since 2007, whenever there's a new Olympics games coming up, so like... 2010, 12, 14, yeah. 16, whenever they have some, whenever they have either winter or summer games coming out, they've been doing a crossover with Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. So it's the characters from Mario versus the characters from Sonic. That's kind of fun. Um, 
So they're their own universes as opposed to yeah. Uh, countries. Yeah, but then they're nice fun little crossover games. That would be fun. Mario's also been in educational games as well. Oh, I bet. He's, Use what you can. Absolutely. He's um and again he's also been in fighting games in the Super Smash Brothers franchise. Mario's been a mainstay of every single Super Smash Brothers. If he's not the first character you get to play, he's usually the very first character you get to pick from. Um, so he's always been a staple of those games here at the end of the day. Um, and yeah, that's basically Mario. It's just this omnipotent sort of creature that just exists in everywhere in Nintendo. And again, because he's the mascot, he shows up in a lot more games as more or less cameo appearances. Um, and usually sometimes if there's like a Nintendo, if there's a Nintendo console version of a game that's also released on other consoles, you might have Mario popping up in there as well. He's a very okay. popular element to add in there. Well, because he's a, he's a figurehead. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you think of Mario to begin with? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't really... I, I know enough to be... It's a great Halloween costume. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I know... Vaguely familiar. Um, love the idea that he starts out as a plumber and he's going through pipes. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that was kind of fun. Um, and, and all, but... Um, not, not that. And it was interesting to hear you talk about the different attributes because I never really considered that. Except I know I usually play Princess Peach and I usually float. So, and I always knew it was the dress. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it makes a little bit more sense now. Yeah, they've, they've, and again, I mean, we look at it. Even really started as just this very pixelated sort of creature. At the end of the day, he's grown to have yeah. quite a unique backstory and a, kind of a unique personality. To, not necessarily a unique personality, but a very identifiable personality and appearance well, to it. And, and the one thing I will say that, that I find really attractive about the whole thing um, is that if you looked at the original Mario and you look at Mario now, they haven't felt the need to... Do any sort of radical changes to it. Yeah. He stayed pretty much as is. And I actually think that's really nice. You've got you've got to see him mature in, in terms of of how smoothly, gracefully, whatever he moves, because his graphics have come along. Yeah, his design has yeah. pretty much stayed relatively the same throughout multiple iterations of chain of games, and he's very much. You, it's nice because you get to see him in a very early pixelated form, and eventually see how the pixels got a little bit sharper, and then eventually see how there's a little more shading, he, there's a little more color. There's you see him as he goes from original two D model, which is very. Very much of the pixely sort of like, yeah. oh my look, oh my god, there are blocks connected to other blocks and circles for hands. And then you slowly see a more developed sort of character rig. Um, I once saw, I was, re, I was watching a program one time that actually counted the pixels, um, not the pixels, but the polygons for Mario, um, Mario the character himself. And so the earlier versions of the original Mario from Nintendo 64, the very blocky version of him. Yeah. I believe he had a little over 200 polygons to him. Yeah. And then when you get to Super Mario Sunshine, that jumped to, I believe, 1,800 polygons. Yeah. And then as you get progressively going forward, it just keeps jumping and jumping and jumping in polygons. So, so they perfected who he was, but they never changed who he was. They never modernized him, which I, which I find enchanting. Yeah, he's very much a character that just exists yeah. in time. He's... Like a like a like a cowboy almost. Yeah. Like you always know a cowboy is a cowboy. He's just you have different variations in a cowboy, but you have the general. Well, Mario, there isn't really even different variations. He's pretty much Mario. Yeah. No, I've n- we've never seen. I mean, 
Yeah, Mario's very much in every character, so he doesn't. You don't want to give him any sort of changing element to him at all because he is very much a stable. They haven't updated him. They haven't modernized him, and I like that. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. again, they've, they've, they found something that works, and they don't have it. They didn't have a need to change it at all. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that a lot because, again, I mean, like, again, I don't think of going into a Mario game and getting a story that shows yeah. the development of Mario on any particular level. But I often go into Mario games thinking. I'm going to have a really interesting game of skill that I'm going to have to develop in Mario yeah. um, to be able to navigate whatever world he's gotten himself into this time. Yeah. Um, so this week, what I'm going to have you do, we're going to have you play Mario Kart. Okay. So because it's a fun kind of party-based game, um, we're also going to have Mario Party as well because okay. I find those to be fun. They have a lot of the f- cool characters in there. But I'm also going to have you play... The original Super Mario Brothers number one. But when you play it, though, neither myself or my little brother are going to tell you how to play it. So you'll set it up and then I'm just going to go at it? Yes. Okay. We're not even going to give you hints on what to do. We'll show okay. you what the controls are, but we're not, I don't want to tell you anything beyond that because what's, what's interesting about video games that a lot of people don't think about initially is that there is actually a learned language in video games that you have that you learn over a course of time that you don't naturally learn otherwise. And obviously one of those notions are collecting power-ups, do you go right or do you go left, what is up and down, what is good, what is bad. Um, we know that now as an example here. Like when you see red, we think, oh, we need to stop, right? Yeah. Because in, in, in a lot of that's also because red is red is kind of a cautionary color, which grabs your attention right away. Because right. there's not a lot of red in the universe right? outside of maybe apples and leaves. Okay. Um, but red is also the kind of the color of blood and blood, which is also means danger, so caution. There's a learned um, element to video games, which translates from our real world life. Why are health? Why is it that the screen flashes red when we're in danger? Why doesn't yeah. it flash blue? Why doesn't it flash green? Um, or why does it flash in red when we're when we're really badly hurt or when we need to take a look at something? It's just because yeah. it's a shared learned experience. Much the same way, um, when you were playing World of Warcraft, there's a shared understanding of how video games work. That because you're not, you yeah. haven't been, you, know, you, yeah. ha- you haven't been um, inundated. N- yeah. And maybe not inundated or educated is not the right way to phrase it, but you haven't been, um, you haven't gone through a lot of experience of video games uh-huh. that would give you some of those built-in sort of understandings of how stuff works. Like I understand, yeah. like I would be, I for a lot of cases could pick up another game in a lot of cases and kind of fiddle with the controls, and understand how things work almost yeah. intuitively, but because I've had enough of experience to know. Oh, when I do this, it causes this to happen. Or I know yeah. when this happens, I expect this to happen. A lot of cause and effect. It's also yeah. why a lot of time when... So you can anticipate because you have knowledge. Yeah, you have kind of knowledge of how things work or what should happen when you do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Which is also why I find sometimes when parents look at children, it's like when children do something wrong and parents go, what were you thinking? And it's like, well, the child's logical answer has to be, I don't know. Yeah. And then parents get upset. It's like, how did you not know this would happen? It's like, because the children doesn't know what's going to happen. The child yeah. doesn't yeah. have that level of experience to understand that. Yeah. So I've always find that funny now when I think about it. Um, but again, I, mean, I want you to play Super Mario Brothers 1. Mostly because it's a very relatively simple game with not a lot of, with a lot of 
allowances in there that allow you to to fail but to pick it back up right away yeah um and at the same time um i'll discuss a little bit more when you play through it um okay because i think because i i'm basing this law off of a, a college experiment that i've read that i read a paper on when i was in college uh-huh um that i always wanted to actually replicate and i think you'd be our perfect my perfect okay. uh guinea pig for Wait, this here we go yeah. Okay. Um, now, honestly, for a lot of people who are uh, listening to us may not have the Nintendo Switch or any sort of access to this at all, that's fully understandable because Nintendo is very proprietary with their stuff, and these are not easy stuff to get a hold of in some cases. Um, and I don't expect people to have to buy yeah. into that at all. I'm going to... I. I've re- re- recently seen a video, some videos, and doing some research for the, for this um, podcast here about some of the topics that we discussed and some of the games we discussed. So I'm going to share some of those videos online as well for people who don't have access to this at all, who won't be able to experience this. Because again, the podcast for me has always been about explaining something and then sharing, allowing people to get themselves experienced with it, so they have a feeling or understanding of what it's like. It's one of the yeah. reasons why when we did. Um, D&D, most people were not going to go out and buy the books to go play D&D, right. much less they were never going to be able to find a group to just kind of tag along and play D&D with. That was a, yeah. that was a big ask. Yeah. It's a big ask for a lot of people. But what we could do is we could have a gaming experience that you could listen to and where we had a person who would have a lot of the same questions you might have come up. Yeah. And you can have, and again, I mean, I thought that was a lot of fun because you had a lot of... Um, interesting reactions that I thought were just like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly, <laughs> this is exactly what a person who wouldn't know what's going on would do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty so, predictable that way. Um, so while I understand there will be a lot of people who won't be able to uh, participate with the podcast here this week and be able to do it, I will leave videos online that kind of go over some of the topics here and some of the stuff uh, that we're discussing and show some of the stuff that goes on in the game. Um, because... There's another cool little aspect to Mario that doesn't get brought up a whole lot uh-huh. called known as speedrunning. And I want to talk about that more next week because it's okay. interesting that people go out of their way to beat the game as quickly as possible. It's a very big community and I want to talk about that a little bit more. Okay. And I think Mario is a great, great uh, gateway drug for that. Okay. So I'm going to put all the show notes and put some additional videos online on our website at nerdtutorialpodcast.com. And then you can also join the conversation and follow us at facebook.com forward slash nerd tutorial podcast, where we do post a show up there and we continue discussion there as well. Um, I've been watching a lot more anime, so I might be posting up some reviews of stuff online. Okay. Um, I kind of want to do an episode where I do possibly what I think are basics of anime or basic anime to watch. So if you want to, because I know the titles I gave you were very more recent titles. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to just maybe do something where, if you wanted to get into anime, here are some titles you could give yourself a try a try with, um, to see if you were interested or not in them. Okay. Um, to know if you're into anime or not, because again, yeah. not everyone's into anime. Um, but again, if you have other ideas for for future podcasts as well, um, you can hit me up at nerd underscore tutorial at on twitter.com where we do follow all of our topics there as well. So if there's any cool news about wrestling or zombies or batman or anything like that we do we do sometimes highlight that on our twitter page on our twitter page as well so it's well worth it if you have any interest in the topics you can follow along with some of those topics there too 
Um, and so behind, on behalf of my mom, uh, myself and my mom, we wish that you stay safe out there doing these uh, interesting times. And we hope you stay safe. Um, and hopefully... Don't get chased by any zombies. No, but no zombies, hopefully. No um, but we hope that you guys stay safe. And we'll see you guys again next week. Bye. Bye.